Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with moderate leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. There was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. everyone i'm guile i tweet at door podcast and tonight i am joined by chicky hi i am chicky i am at the chicken on twitter and lot hi i'm lot and i'm the lady of tarth on twitter and i am heavily leaning on these two characters what do you mean moderately a moderate because i said dedicated in the last yeah and i couldn't i honestly couldn't think of exactly what you said in the last (laughs) one and i it was just like why i want to have like good posture like i'm you know I'm resol- resolutely. I would have been like good. resolutely watching them. Like I don't reading them. I don't know. <laughs> I really, I really dropped the ball on it. You guys, we're still hiring out the 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 kinks in this new uh, yeah, intro. Really. <laughs> Before we start the chapter, I there's a Twitter poll. I feel like we have to address, and it was, oh. um, who wears, who's wearing dad jeans, and it was, is it Stannis, um, Mace, or Ned? And I and like Spanish. Mace was winning it, and I feel like oh. Mace is clearly wearing pleated khakis, but that's me. Um, Stannis wears slacks. <laughs> I could see Stannis in jeans. jeans. They're like practical, and <laughs> well, he would iron them, maybe. Do you feel like? <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh my God, he Starch would iron his and jeans. Iron. <laughs> anyway, they anyway. stand up on their own. <laughs> Yeah, they, they might starch starch jeans. Um, is that something people do? Because I feel like maybe I'm making that up. I, I think we just made actual it up. thing. Stannis okay. made it up. Okay. So um, tonight we are going to discuss Brienne One from A Feast for Crows in our re 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 read, and we start the chapter um, Brienne with Brienne starting her search for a girl of three and ten with auburn hair and blue eyes. Um, in the what we probably we assume is going to be a relevant town someday in Rosby, like we still don't find out who the heir to Rosby is, but um, and you know Brienne doesn't really find out anything about Sansa in Rosby either. Um, but one guy does want to know if Sansa's curtains match her drapes, <laughs> and you know <laughs> men are gross. God. <laughs> Men are I love how often not at all unrealistic. But I love how often she says, "I'm looking for a maid," and somebody's like, "Oh, probably not a maid anymore." It's yeah. so yeah. disgusting and awful. And I mean, like, I get where it's coming from, but God, they're so yeah. And she's 13. Gross pigs. Like, ugh. Anyway, did we trigger warn, warn on this one? Oh no, yeah, no, let's let's didn't. trigger warn for um, <laughs> play trigger the warning noise. for discussions of of rape. <laughs> um, please, yeah, leave before we trigger you. Um, not that we probably already haven't. Sorry. Um, really, really great at the whole trigger warning thing, by the way, clearly. Um, let's see. Brienne spots a skinny boy on a piebald horse. And do either of you know what a piebald horse is? Can I guess? Yeah. yeah. Oh, a piebald horse. Um, is it like, hmm, is it something to do with its mane? <laughs> no. No, it's basically spot like big spots. Well, it's a white horse. Oh, it's like big splotches, yeah. So we haven't had any horse trivia in a long time. Spots though, they're like sections almost. Right, right, kind of like a cow. Okay, well, I'll never be good at horse trivia, and piebald is a terrible name for that. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So she spots the skinny boy, but she's really already discouraged and thinks that he's probably not going to know anything anyway. Um, so she heads toward, toward Duskendale. And I don't know about you guys, but I felt like I was reading Duncan Egg again with, you know, we get the yeah. description of the apple orchards and the fields of barley and travelers. And it really feels like at least this little section of Westeros really hasn't been touched by the War of Five Kings. Um, being I I just really feel like George just loves writing Duncan Egg, and that is part of why he wanted to write Brienne's chapters. He was just like, I can just kind of do more of it here. Yeah, I mean, I think north of Duskendale things get a little bit, a um, little bit hairy. But at this point, 
yeah, they're far north enough that um, they're they're far enough north that they weren't really bothered by the Battle of Blackwater or anything, and then obviously far enough south of the Riverlands that um, you know they didn't have to worry about that either. So you know, it's good times for these guys. So Brienne's thinking back to her promise to Jamie to find Sansa and get her safe, and. You know, she starts doubting herself, like, within paragraphs of this chapter, which is, you know, our very first POV of Brienne. And she thinks she lingered too long in King's Landing, and she didn't learn anything of value. Um, But, you know, we kind of get her, we get her thought process, which, you know, if she were by herself, afraid and in danger, she'd run to her father. But, you know, that's not an option for Sansa. And, you know, we get a review of, you know, Winterfell's in runes, the Ironborn are at the neck, the Fraser at the twins, and, you know, no one could remember any ships leaving leaving King's Landing the night Joffrey died. And, you know, Brienne does find out that there are some trading ships that were anchored in the bay and offloading by boat. But um, more people were doing business at Duskendale's port, which is why she's headed there. So, you know, again, yeah. like, she's criticizing herself, but her investigation at this point is, you know, actually, like, she's well, there. She's so, you know, she's so close to getting what happened. She has a couple of bright moments um, yeah. in her, like, trying to puzzle this out. But the other thing, too, that gets to me is the fact that she says she's lingered too long in King's Landing. Like, she literally was a prisoner for most of that. <laughs> well, we know that she, um, you know, she talked to Brella, the maid, and, you know, the maid and stuff. So, I mean... And she did go yeah, shopping I mean, for a horse. Or right, not a horse, right. a sword. Like sword. Was, yeah. It's not like she was dicking around or anything, yeah. Well, and she's been pretty smart. I mean, she's she's going to, like, where, you know, Dantos would be from to try to yeah. look, you know. She, she's had some good thoughts. I mean, think about it, This is somebody who, like, didn't grow up with, like, detective shows on TV. Like, <laughs> I, I think she did a pretty good job. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I think, you know, yeah, she does a great job. Like, this everything she's doing is, you know, fairly logical. And, you know, as we see in later in her chapter, she interviewed like, she the witnesses. Very, yeah. <laughs> she, interviewing everyone. She's, you know, she, and I mean, we make fun of the, the constant, a maid of three and 10, but I mean, that's what you would do is you would make sure that everyone knows that you're looking for them. So someone would come to you if you didn't find them. And you she's know? purposely not saying Sansa's Stark. So give her right. some credit. Um, so we find out the mare Jamie gave to her, which the one, you know, he describes as ugly as her is quote, sweet to look upon. So, you know, <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, not a piebald, um, that we know of. Although actually I think they're very cute, but, uh, so Brienne's running into quite a few travelers going South, but again, no one has any useful info. And she has this really sad thought that Jamie is playing a joke on her, but you know, then she, she quickly like files that away and like no he's sincere he gave her a sword and called it Oathkeeper. um you know she thinks Arya is probably dead but Sansa's the only promise to cat left that they can keep every time she like tries to, to like because she has this little doubt about Jamie a couple of times throughout her chapters and she's like no no he meant it he it was for real I always think she must be thinking back to the Oathkeeper scene and how you know he was so hurt by yeah her bad assumptions about him like she must have seen it and must have known no he he couldn't have been faking it that well (laughs) right and i mean again they know each other too well you know yes yes so she rides on and near dusk she comes across a couple of friendly hedge knights and it's sir creighton longbaugh and sir illifer the penniless which i also sort of feel (laughs) a little bit of kinship with him um with both of them they offer to share their trout and Brienne's pretty wary and she it's funny because you know she thinks I mean I think that they're you know they from their perspective they see this like well-armed huge dude like coming down and they're like hey have some trout like save you know protect us basically (laughs) and you know she's um She's really wary, and I think for them it's more like, oh, this is, you know, like, we're going to be nice to this guy because he's a badass. Um, They mistake her for a man, but in a gent, you know, they're fairly good-hearted about it. Like, they're not total dicks about it. Um, You know, they haven't seen this girl of three and ten, and, you know, Brienne finally gets like, wow, you know, she totally overpowers both of them. And she thinks, you know, if I fear the likes of these, I had as well swap my longsword for a pair of knitting needles. So she, you know, oh. finally kind of 
like, okay, yeah, like, yeah, I can't, I can't do this and be afraid of like these two like kind of middle aged, middle aged or older well, hedge knights. I love it too that they they think she's a guy until she takes her helmet off. Yeah, it's like her hair falls out. You know, her long, her long book hair that is very yeah. clearly feminine. Um, yeah, I have a. a- a comment too from Weebury from Reddit about that particular scene. Um, and they say, Brienne's long hair. Yay. I can't help but think of a L'Oreal commercial every time <laughs> she moves her, removes her helmet. <laughs> I don't know if I, I think go it's that like far. It's like, like a parody, a parody of a L'Oreal commercial, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Straw like and thin and brittle. Oh, can't even good hair. Everything has to be bad. Right. <laughs> only the Straw, eyes. Only the eyes. eyes. So um, the knights insist that they ride together to Duskendale, and they say a true knight must defend the gentler sex. And, you know, it's like funny, you know, clearly it's the other way around. Um, but again, there's this callback to Dunk and Egg where the true knights are more apt to be hedge knights. Mm-hmm. Um, and they eat and they start to question her a little bit. And Sir Illifer gets offended because she's using the shield that Jamie had at Harrenhal, which again, the symbolism there of, you know, Jamie gives her all of these gifts, but he also gives her his shield, like the most like overt way of of giving her his protection. Well, but and Jamie's reasoning when he took it was, oh, this this is a, an extinct house, so yeah. I'm not going to offend anyone with this. I'll right. be a nobody. So he's clearly still thinking that when he gives it to her. He has no idea that it has really bad connotations. Oh, right. And Sir, you know, Sir Illifer just has like a hate on basically for house law. Lofson, which, you know, R.I.P. Mad Denell, we, we hardly knew you. We'd like to know you more. Hint, hint. Dunkin' Egg, book four. <laughs> but, you know, he pretty quickly puts two and two together and figures out who Brienne is and accuses her of Renly's murder. And Brienne denies this and swears by the seven. And it's quite a, I mean, it's one hell of a swear. Like, it's like individually to every one of the seven that she swears to. And that satisfies them. <laughs> he just kind of, Elifer just kind of shrugs it off after she swears. He's like, yeah, like the, okay, I guess the gods will sort it out good enough. You know, like <laughs> he had no intention of doing anything. It's all well, I mean, plus, like, we know, right, and we know that she's, like, you know, way, 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 way bigger than them. And yeah, there's no, he's not going to be able to do anything. Um, So then this kind of pulls her into a memory of, of Renly and she remembers how Renly came to Tarth and he danced with her and, and treated her like a proper maid. You know, the kind of the, the thing that struck me in her memory is like, she thinks about how she wasn't, she didn't want to come down even into like, into the ball, it's not, it's not mm-hmm. a ball, but into the reception essentially, because she thinks that, you know, he would have heard about the rose. He would know that story. And, um, like, oh, and we don't even know, you know, we don't know that story at this point. Mm. So it's just like haunting her. But, you know, he came, you know, he, he danced with her, treated her like a proper maid. So everyone else had to do the same. And she thinks how she only wanted to be close to him, but that she failed him. Oh, so, God. yeah, this poor thing. Uh, this is why, like, even though I because of the show, we're pretty sure Jamie obviously is not dying like with Stoneheart or anything, but like, God, it would be so terrible if he yeah. did just because she'd be living exactly the same thing again. Right. And just, yeah, I mean, ugh. she doesn't need, I mean, she's so, you know, the thing is, is you're in, this is our very first time in her head and she's just so immediately down on herself. Like she's so, She's her own, I mean, for as horrible as everyone else is to her, and I mean, they're pretty generally horrible, she's worse to herself. You know, the things she thinks about herself are... The way she describes her looks yeah, so horrible. Freakish, not, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, regardless of this animosity towards Brienne, uh, Illifer and Creighton let her take the first watch, which, you know, obviously they, they have some level of trust in her. And when she finally gets a chance to sleep, she's cold. And, you know, it just sounds like, if you you know, it sounds like one of those camping trips where it rained and then it's cold and you're just, like, sitting on the ground and you're miserable and you just want to, you know, sleep in your car and die. <laughs> um, 
sounds like that. <laughs> but, you know, Brienne actually is thinking about Sansa and whether she's safe and warm. And it's like, oh, Brienne, <laughs> like, oh, she's so good. Um, so when she gets up, Illifer and Creighton are making breakfast and Creighton is telling this, you know, obviously embellished war stories. And she finds out that the boy and the piebald horse pass by in the night, as well as, you know, what sounds like a group of broken men, but they, you know, they just made their way when Creighton showed him steel. So the day moves on and they run into sparrows that are, um, they're bound for King's Landing and they, you know, they have this long, they have this long conversation with them about their, you know, their begging sparrows and whatnot. And, it's one of those parts of this chapter that really have, I feel like not, you know, very little to do with Brienne and more like setting up, you know, setting up other, cha- you know, Cersei's chapters basically here. Um, well, yeah. Cause most of us think this is the high sparrow. Yeah. Yeah. And like how, you know, and like the one younger sparrows all super offended when the Knights ask to be paid to escort them south. <laughs> and yeah. he's like really kind of bitchy about it. And like, dude, I feel like you should be more holy about that. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely more of you know connecting connecting this. So we'll see them later, and you know that's well, with the other characters she runs into. Is this the first time we see somebody who's like basically scarred themselves with the seven pointed star too? It's the so, first yeah. time it's been mentioned. Yeah. So they next run into a merchant who's being escorted by another knight, who's a little man, um, who's none other than Sir Shadrick the Mad Mouse. Um, you know, and he gets these, he keeps getting these, like, good zingers in at Sir Creighton. Um, you know, one of the, they're talking, and he's like, it's hard for any honest man to keep his belly round when so many lack for food. Though your Sir Creighton has not hungered, it seemed. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> like, he really went I for know. him. <laughs> well, and then, you know, Sir Creighton right away insists that he has big bones. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> same Sir Creighton, same. <laughs> um, same. <laughs> so... He uh, Sir Shadrick also hits on Brienne. Um, I don't remember, you know, I don't really remember this, but he calls her wench like twice right away, and, and you know, he tells her he's big enough where it counts, wench. <laughs> Can we really um, say that's hitting on, or just? Ugh. I feel like that's hitting on her. Like at first, he's like, "Oh, you're a strapping woman," or you know, yeah, you're strapping, strapping wench. And then, like, tells her he's big enough where it counts. Like, yeah, he's totally, like... Well, and I love, too, how, like, when he tries to make fun of her, she's like, you can't make fun of me as well as Jamie did. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I I mean, mean, she says, though, that Jamie really hurt her, which, Jesus Christ. Yeah, she says, you know, Jamie's mockery had cut her deep, but the little man's words barely touched her. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like that wench, you know, they're... even having him use like the same, you know, the same word and stuff. So it's very much like going to trigger her to think about Jamie. I mean, let's be honest. Everything triggers her. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't take a ton. Yeah. So, you know, Shadrick for everything else is obviously not a dumb man. And he realizes exactly who Brienne is searching for. And she denies it, but they both basically know she's looking for Sansa Stark and Shadrick tells her she's not the only hunter in the woods. And, like, those words kind of haunt Brienne. And he tells her that he's after Sansa to claim the bag of gold that Varys has offered for her. And he even offers to split some with, with Brienne if they work together. Which, of course, you know, that it would be the least Brienne thing to ever do. Yeah. Um, and she, again, right away thinks she's a fool to have not considered that other people are going to be looking for Sansa. And, you know, she realizes Sansa's even in more danger than she realizes. And, you know, just in, like, the short conversation with Sir Shadrick, she's, like, realizes she was on the right trail in assuming that Sansa was, was with Sir Dantos. And now she's kind of thinking, like, oh, my God, I hope he hit her well. You know, I, I don't, you know, maybe I, I don't know how I'm going to find her, but I really don't want anyone else to find her. Um, yeah. Which, you know, again, like, yeah, she, she's hidden pretty well. Well, actually, not really. <laughs> Sir Shadrach totally finds her, but, you know, whatever. We'll, yeah. we'll move along from there. That's, why, that's, that's always the thing. It's like, gosh, if she had just followed Shadrach, <laughs> right. she'd have found Sansa. But, well, oh. and I mean, it's, you know, as we'll see, it's Nimble Dick that actually, you know, puts her on the wrong path. 
you know, he puts her on Arya. He in it, you know, he yeah. puts her on Arya's path, Arya's, and that's what yeah. you know. But again, I mean, I I just feel like if Brienne went rolling into, if Brienne went rolling into the Vale by herself, I mean, she oh yeah, so, Littlefinger like, would right. She needs people with a little more subtlety with her to be. I mean, even Hyle, she you know would be a better companion than her alone. Like she's just not capable of that kind of of that kind of acting by herself. Mm-hmm. No way. I sincerely hope Hyle makes it out of his situation. I need more Hyle. I know. Like we all need a little Hyle in our lives. Um, <laughs> so. The whole group, the merchant, um, his servants, Sir Shadrick, the hedge knights, and Brienne, they, they go to an inn. And Brienne's like the big spender here. She's got this full purse from Jamie, so she buys rooms and dinner for herself and Sir Illifer and Sir Creighton. And, you know, it's somewhat contrived, but talk at dinner turns to Jamie and his injury. And Brienne, you know, clarifies that it was a sellsword, not a wolf, that took off his hand. <laughs> and she remembers her fight with Jamie and, and how magnificent he was even in chains and how no, you know, no man could withstand him at, at his full strength and thinks about how horrible it was to maim him and, you know, leave him, you know, bewildered is, is what she, you know, what she thinks of him. And I think it goes mm-hmm. back to those memories, obviously post chopping when she was, you know, taking very intimate care of him and just, you know, she, we, in our, you know, in our last Jamie chapter, we got that that snappy, snarky Jamie, and you know, she saw him at, you know, the Jamie who's looking at the stars and like willing himself to death. You know, like she's seen that she's seen that side of him too, which I mean, I don't think anyone's seen other than him. Yeah, well, and the way she puts it, you know, that it left him broken and bewildered, <laughs> like you said, is just, you know, she she really did see him at his darkest yeah. possible. And, like, you can hear the compassion in it, and you can tell that this predated, you know, whatever feeling she has because of, like, Jamie giving her Oath Keeper at this point. Like, it, it's, uh, right. I mean, it's, it's like both a testament to how amazing Brienne is that she already felt bad for him even then, but also, you know, just to their kind of bond that the two of them have, like, this, you know, horrible experience that they went through together and saw each other at their just absolute fucking worst. And I love to, you know, it's like you're saying, we, we, we've gotten all this from Jamie's point of view. So we finally get in Brienne's head. And I think people think, oh, Brienne's so much more in love with Jamie because she thinks about him all the time. And it's like, no, Jamie did his Brienne thinking in Storm of Swords. Like, it would be kind of redundant for Jamie to think about Brienne as much in Feast because he's already had all those thoughts. You're, you're hearing Brienne's side now so that you understand that this is a very reciprocal situation. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, she, you know, and even thinking about, you know, thinking about this, you know, this Jamie, she, she can't, she doesn't want to talk about it. She can't, she doesn't want to listen to people disparage him. So she abruptly leaves the dining room and and goes up to bed and takes out Oathkeeper, um, which she has hidden in her bedroll. And she thinks about all the legendary knights and how they had these legendary swords and thinks that Oathkeeper belongs in such lore, even if. If she doesn't, and you know, I think foreshadowing, you know, she does, <laughs> she or she is going to belong in there, and she prays to the crone to lead her to Sansa, and I don't know about you guys, but this little bit totally reminded me of the scene in The Princess Bride where um, Mandy Patank or Anigo Matoya, rather, I'll go with the character, where Anigo Matoya is like, you know, lead when he's looking for um, Wesley. And yeah. he's like, lead me to the pointing his Praise sword, his lead father. me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, you know, he eventually, like, leans his head against the tree and, and gets in. But, yeah, it was just like that, that, desper- that desperation, that prayer totally reminded me of that. Um, and then she waits until everyone has gone to bed and the inn is quiet. And then she sneaks out of the inn and saddles her mare and leaves everyone behind and thinks, I'm coming for you, Lady Sansa. Be not afraid. I shall not rest until I've found you. And that's how, um, and that's how our chapter ends. So it's just, I mean, it's really our, I feel like it's really our intro to Brienne. I mean, it not, you know, not very much actually happens in this chapter other than just seeding Sir Shadrick and, and the sparrows really. 
but and pod, I guess too for that matter. But yeah, it's just that Brienne is, you know, the Brienne really is too good to be true. You know, like once she we're really in her head, is. it's like she really she's is too like, good to be true. She's so wholesome, and you can tell she's young in the way that she thinks. It's not quite as young as like when you're reading like Sansa or something, but it's like you know, there's a little naivete that you mm-hmm. you hear in her in her voice in her chapter, and she's just so earnest and yeah honorable even in her thoughts you know it's like even when she kind of like laughs at people it's like kindly you know like she's just like underneath it all just the most decent person I mean yeah. don't cross her <laughs> right I mean you know she's you know she's dunk I mean she's she more is. innocent yeah, than I think like dunk is more of like a bumpkin if that makes sense yeah, Whereas very is more, highborn. yeah and it's just you know, more, a bit more sheltered, but I mean, she's, you know, she is wholesome. I think is like the perfect word. Like she is like super, you know, at this point, at this point, anyway, she's super wholesome. You know, I think we see her lose some of that as she's forced to do things on this journey. Yeah. That, you know, are, well, it's not like she hasn't seen horrible things. Cause she's right. She thinks when she meets up with the hedge knights. She's like, you know, they're, they're trying to warn her about what's on the road. She's like, you guys have no fucking idea what's on the road, what I've already seen in the Riverlands. Right. You know, she's like, I know what's out yeah. there. Um, you know, she's seen th- some things, but it hasn't completely, um, you know, beaten everything out of her yet. Right. I mean, like, I mean yeah, her, her soul is still, you know, yeah. she's, she's strong. You know, she, I think we talked about this probably in some of Jamie's storm chapters is that, you know, she's emotionally stronger than Jamie is by like pretty, I feel like a fairly significant amount. Agreed. And no knock on Jamie. I think he's, he is just in general more, a little, you know, a little more emotional, a little more fragile. I think, you know, growing up in that family, I think, you know, that would, growing up in that family the way that he did, like, yeah, that would be, you know, that would, that would do it. And well, she's dealt with so uh, he's he's had to deal with rejection since he was 17 with the Kingslayer thing. But yeah. up until that point, nobody did anything wrong to Jamie Lannister. You know what I mean? Like he, he, things were going pretty well for him. I mean, like he, he did not have big problems, whereas she grew up as an absolute outcast. And like she, so she heart was hardened in, in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Well, she knows how to, I think, draw in. Like she, yeah. she pulls herself back and just like she mm-hmm. takes care of the part of herself that she has to take care of to get through bad and, situations. And he completely disassociates. You yeah. Know? yeah. She, like she an, grew up doing it and he didn't. It's like yeah. an extra layer of what makes her so beautiful too is that she has every reason to be kind of bitter and nasty and she's not. No. I mean – and no. I mean, part of it too is like her self-esteem. So I mean, she's got such low self-esteem that, you know, she takes everything everyone t- says about her to heart and doesn't, you know, doesn't fight it. Doesn't, you know, she's so used to it that she doesn't get angry or, or anything. So I mean, she's she's a little more not passive. That's not the right word, but more resigned to it, I think. Yeah, resigned is a good way to put it. She just knows that's how it is. She, yeah. she like clearly, you know, existing in the world as she has, she's just had to accept. Okay, this is just what people are going to do, and it's like she can't, she can't take every new instance of it to heart, or it's all she'd do with her life is be fighting yeah. back. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's, but it's like you know, she can be really tough. And like, if you cross her, you'll know it. She'll take on anyone and she'll, she'll go toe to toe with anybody. But at the same time, there's just such a, a deep like vein of kindness in Brienne. Like she's just underneath it all. She really just does want to be a good, kind person. And it's, you know, I think Jamie, yeah. you know, Jamie got a taste of that when she's, you know, when she's taking care of him, obviously, but you know, as we'll see, like, he doesn't, I don't think he has any clue, like, what a girl she is, you know? And I just, you know, I think that's just going to be yeah, such a shock. I think he does. I do think you? he does. Yeah, I really do. I think, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of this that, you know, he's not really thinking about as much, like, the specific things. But if you see how he treats her, I mean, he sends her, you know, sends someone to, like, make a dress for her and things. I mean, I think Jamie gets that she's both that she is a woman and that she is a knight i i think jamie's maybe the only person on the planet who kind of can accept both sides of her and i guess Including i don't her she so, doesn't even accept yeah it. i guess i don't mean so much i mean 
I mean it more in terms of like how she's, you know, she loves the songs and the stories, like the way that she's similar to him and to Sansa in a way, like that, that kind of, like that kind of girlishness um, that she, you know, feels like she can't really express because of how she looks. Mm. And that I don't, and just like her dreaminess even. And, you know, she has to suppress a lot of that, I think, but it's there. And I think, you know, he'll be shocked by it. I mean, in a good way, but just it's not what, you See, know. I, I think he probably saw most of it. I mean, he just has such a good beat on her. I'd be surprised if he hadn't seen it. Don't you think he'd be a little kinder to her after, though? No. <laughs> <laughs> look at how he treats the people he loves. I mean, like, look at how he treats Cersei. For, like, he's he's not... He's a dick. Uh, you know, like, he's just one of those people who just can't be, you know, super soft and nice. Like, you know, look at how he treats Tyrion. Like, it's just all just constant, like, giving everybody a, a hard time. You know, like, that's just kind of his thing. The Lannister in him, he can't help it. Yeah. He's never going to be the super, you know, like, sensitive person. I mean, he'll be sensitive in different ways. But, yeah, I, he just... I, you just look at how he is with Cersei. And, like, he even makes fun of Cersei to her face, like, in, in Game of Thrones. Like, it, I mean, you know, the first book. Like, yeah. he's just always that way. Then I think of, like, Pia and Peck. And, I mean, these, these like, and even, like, Hoster Blackwood. Like, there's these minor characters that he is kind of pretty gentle with. And maybe it's just, like, they, you know, maybe he can be gentler with them because he he knows that they can't take it whereas well yeah he can be polite but if you notice people he knows well he's just an absolute ass to a lot of the time yeah <laughs> well he hasn't had really awesome people in his life though either to be fair <laughs> that well, is I mean, true yeah i mean and we don't see you know we actually see we never actually see him or very little of him with like adam we see a tiny little bit with davin and you know, Jenna's so obviously in charge of their relationship. Like, it's like he doesn't have a choice of how to treat her. Like, <laughs> she, she's a force of nature yeah. onto herself. So, um, so yeah, I just, yeah, I don't, I think there's that that gentleness that he, he has yet more to discover with her, let's say. Um, you know, whatever, whatever oh, level yeah, that is. Oh, yeah, discover it, Jamie. Yeah. I, didn't, okay. I, I was totally, like, being, like, wholesome about it too <laughs> it's too early it's too early Can to I? be when she touches him he about this. thinks how gentle she is she's gentler than Cersei yeah yeah can I like um, delve into the mailbag a little bit because yeah I think I because we're kind of on this vein yeah um, we're but, done uh, with the chapters yeah. <laughs> so Anon from Tumblr asked um, we already knew Brienne, uh, we already know Brienne from other characters' point of views in previous books. What surprised you about her the most when you finally got to read um, her first point of view chapter? What made you love her more? I think it is that she's genuinely like too good to be true, and also that she's smart. Like she really isn't. She's not some dumb you know she's not you know dunk the lunk like she actually is like pretty smart the way she's sussing this stuff out um for me it was how feminine she is in a lot of her thoughts and her worldview like you don't pick up on all of it in jamie's chapters you know but it's like she she really she really is such a girl in so many ways which is not what i expected getting into her head I think I'm probably going to echo what Guile was saying and just that she's just too good to be true and I think uh, doing the reread of it again after reading the Duncan Egg books it really just reiterated just like how it made me love her more after reading those because it was felt so much like those they're so similar like I just it it just made the Duncan Egg books more enjoyable, frankly, my love of Brienne. And- I totally agree. I mean, I feel like I loved Dunk because I already loved Brienne, and I feel like I love Brienne more because, yes, she is like Dunk. Like, they're, both of them are such amazing characters, and something about the core of both characters is so similar. Yeah, it's, it's very strong. It just resonates so strongly. Just like they're simple, you know? And not, I mean, sometimes we have a bad connotation with that word, but really they're just, you know, they are what they seem. 
they're you know they're straightforward they're not you know they're not liars they're just like genuinely like good people trying to do good how wonderful is that concept well right and i mean a whole book of good people trying to do good probably not nah, going to be a very good boring. book <laughs> you know we need we need a brienne we need a dunk in there you need a brienne to jamie's asshole right and i mean jamie's an asshole trying to do you know trying to do good so <laughs> somewhere they can meet in the middle all right, let's go to the next one. Uh, ladies, when Brienne meets Sir Shadrick, we read, Sir Jamie's mockery had cut her deep. The little man's word had hardly touched her. Why do you think that is? Because of Jamie's sex appeal, Brienne's envy of Jamie, because he reads Brienne well enough to aim his words for maximum effect, while others swing careless verbal haymakers at her? Or is it simply that Brienne has grown a thicker skin since Jamie was mocking her at the then? than she had at the beginning of their journey. I've really enjoyed the last few chapters of your re-re-read. Your podcast has given me many hours of enjoyment and made several traffic jams irrationally tolerable. <laughs> Thank you all very much That's a good for one. generously sharing your time and passion with us strangers over Aww. the years. Aww. I mean, I think it's just she cares what she cares what Jamie thinks. Like, yeah. you know, you're who cares, you know, some dickhead he just met insults you, like, whatever, move on. But, yeah, I mean, she she cares what he thinks. I think, too, it partly maybe is that Jamie is really good at reading out people, and he probably did know how to zero in. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I think that's part of it, because he just so quickly, like, homes right in on, like, what her greatest weaknesses are. Yeah. I mean, like, he's picked it out in the first couple of pages of his first chapter you know he's like oh she doesn't like this she doesn't like this and he's just like hammering on those from that point onward of course like she doesn't probably realize that she did exactly the same thing in return to him um right she she was not doing it purposefully <laughs> he definitely was <laughs> yeah he he was trying to find her weaknesses but she managed to just hit his greatest weaknesses and oh man they just really pushed each other's buttons <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to get dirty again. Turn me off. <laughs> Turn me off. Well, and I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, Jamie's, you know, again, I think we've said it before. Jamie's just such a magnificent asshole. Like, you know, he's just so great. Well, that's the thing. Oh, it might, he, might, he might be saying the same insults, but imagine Jamie's delivery of said insults. And I'm sure yeah. it's great. Right, right. Okay, so um, we had like a whole bunch of like uh, statements and questions from Weebery on Reddit. Um, there was a ton, so I'm just going to pick out like a few plums um, and some of it we've already gone over. Anyway, let's see. Uh, finally, I love Brienne's chapters. I love how she goes and sees the truth of common folk of the realm and how tied her story is to them. I love how honorable she is, how dedicated, how clever, how gentle. So, like, that's, like, a big thing with Brienne's chapter. She is really giving you kind of, like, the ground zero of how this is affecting everybody else in the story. Like, aside from the, you know. I know, but nobility. I sometimes I get frustrated with that narrative, though, because it's just, like, oh, Brienne's chapters are about the devastation of the Riverlands and Bob. And it's, like, actually, Brienne's chapters are about a character named Brienne of Tarth. And, you know, she's important enough to have a number of point of view chapters, and the story is actually about her. Why not both? And, <laughs> well, yeah, oh, I no, mean, I, I hear what yeah, you're saying. I yeah, just, I, like, it's her fandom. It's like a fandom tiredness reaction. But, I, I mean, like, in, in defense of that, I, you know, Arya served the same purpose mm -hmm. for a couple of books, and no one would say that Arya's story wasn't about her. You know, I mean, right. like everybody everybody who has a pov not everybody some of them it's just 100 because george wants you in their head <laughs> but yeah uh, some of them are just kind of cameras somewhere like area hota or like we've talked about like cersei having a pov is just 100 percent. george decided he had to have a pov in king's landing he never intended to give her a pov um some of the povs we get are just because george wants you to know what's going on somewhere brienne's pov I will argue till the end of days, while well, yes, it is doing double duty so he can show you what's going on in the Riverlands because it will become very important as far as what's going on with the faith and everything. It's very much about Brienne. Like <laughs> Brienne is going to do something important to do with the, like the main trunk of the story. Like there's just no doubt in my mind. 
in the books, she really matters. Like you don't at this point well, pause and give right. someone eight chapters in a book if they're not going to, you know, matter. And the last later thing on. he wrote about her was tying her house to the Targaryens and a dunk. So yes. I mean, that's you know, yeah. No, she, yeah. He just this he's is just her made her more important. You know. That's it. This is her story. And, you know, you don't really realize that he's doing it, but he's actually having her touch so many different threads of the story through her journey. Like she just met the High Septon and, you know, she just met Sir Shadrach. And like these are these are, you know, Shadrach will show up in in the veil at the end of the book. And, you know, like it, these are things that will or no, yeah. we don't realize it till when's. But, you know, these are things that will that will matter well, later she's on. She's going to meet the hound. She's going to meet, you know. Yeah, I mean, Catelyn, like there's, you know, yeah, a whole a whole bunch of threads that that she's involved in, a whole bunch of connections mm-hmm. that she that she's going to make. Yeah, that oh, that's yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. And she's the one who realizes that he's Roberts, which, you know, is not for nothing. What would be the point of that? And I mean, potentially, you know, I think someone in our last chapter asked about Oathkeeper and Dawn, etc. Well, I mean, there's pretty good reason to think that she might meet Ned Dane, and that's a character that I think, hmm. if we would have had the five-year gap, probably would have been more immediately important. But you know, if you think that that's someone that's going to have Dawn and that Dawn's going to be important, then you know, maybe that's a you know, maybe that's an important connection that she'll make too. I just want Ned Dane to come back, also. Why? I just I never get people's heart on for Ned Dane. <laughs> I'm I like, just think Ooh. he seems really sweet. Like <laughs> he just seems like a nice, like a nice. Yeah, Arya's kid. Arya's chapters. He's a little kid. He's from House yeah. Dane. And he's like he's the heir, or I mean, he's not even the heir. He is like no, the head of the... House Dane. Yeah. So uh, in theory, he should, you know, he could have Dawn at some point. But in any case, you know, just so more, you know, <laughs> more characters. Speaking of swords. <laughs> Weeberry goes on to say, uh, Brienne really does love her swords. Renly's lost, and then Oathkeeper isn't a knight's sword, their soul or something. And my girl is smart, and she hides Oathkeeper well from prying eyes, the same way she tries to hide her heart. So I thought that was kind of a pointedly, Aww, yeah. like, like to, to mention that, the you know, she lost Renly's sword, and then we know ultimately what happens with Oathkeeper. Um Kind of sucks. Yeah, because who has Oathkeeper? I mean, the Brotherhood does. presumably does. Oh no, she does, she does because she has it. They gave it to her. That's right. Okay. She has it. Dance. Yeah. Or she she acquired it. We don't. You know, we think they gave it to her, but that could be not. They what gave happened. it to her. Well, I mean, maybe she just killed all of them. <laughs> I don't. <think. laughs> Two hundred men challenge yeah, like accepted. Just went through them all <laughs> with her broken arm and ribs and everything else. Yeah, but how did she get it back? At what cost? Yeah. Anyway, uh, and the other comment, too, which kind of mirrors how I actually feel about the end of this one, is just the ending of this chapter makes me feel like mush every time. And I'm right there with you, Weebury, because it's it's so sad to... We know ultimately where Brienne's going with this journey, um, but it kind of feels like... I just want to tackle her and just keep her here at this point in time. <laughs> I mean, Brienne's chapters are ones that if you read them, I mean, if you could just read them straight through the, the whole, I mean, cause this one, Oh, it's kind of wholesome. The nice hedge nights and the, you know, f- semi-friendly travelers, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, it just progresses so much to, you know, doom, you know, it just gets so dark and you can just, you know, see her approaching, you know, just her, you know, all this horrificness. I mean, it's really affecting when you think of it like one after the other like that. And I mean, I know like it's, you know, it it serves another purpose to have it interspersed with, with Cersei and, and Jamie's chapters the way it is, but just, you know, the one, like, I don't know if you guys remember the illustrations that um, someone did of the feast chapters and they're just like little tiny ones. And like the mm-hmm. one that I remember most is, you know, Jamie's about to wipe that smile off Red Ronnet's face, blah, blah, blah. But it's just of Jamie, you know, Jamie, Sir, Jamie and Brienne, basically, their chapters. And just like the single illustrations of the Brienne chapters and Feast in a Row are just, you know, it, it's gut-wrenching. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's see. So we have another one, um, and it's to comma. 
um, who I believe read the mail for episode 272, A Dream of uh, a dream of a dream of spring. I was so tickled by your response to my email that my head was inflated well above operational levels for a ridiculously long time. I did as you suggested and am now spending entirely too much time working on a fic to, to the detriment of more important matters. It's not going to exactly as proposed in my other letter, but I hope you read the hell out of it and are not disappointed since it is all your fault. The last piece of fiction I wrote, <laughs> if one can even call it that, must have been for a high school class. Here's the link. So we have that link. Uh, I guess we could probably share it at some some place. Um, and I think the name so of it, proud. the name of her story was, it was like The Soul Hears, I think, or The Souls Hear? Uh, is Souls to Hear. Souls to Souls Hear. Souls to Hear, okay. Is on it on AO3? AO3? Yes. Yeah, on okay. AO3. And I'm right there Sorry, with you. Archive of our own .org. Right. Uh, I'm right there with M. Uh, this is respectively, uh, respectfully M. Um, I never wrote anything creative, like creative writing, and like since high school. And then I got into this stupid fandom, and like <laughs> it kind of took over a large part of my life. So now here I am podcasting episode number what? <laughs> Two hundred eighty-three. Jesus fuck. <laughs> Yeah, so this is just the start. <laughs> yeah, it was a good good mail. So. Okay, uh, last one we have from John Ice Eyes, and it was a Patreon message from John. And John says, hey, ladies, I put up that $50 bounty on Twitter to see if anyone at uh, Con of Thrones would get Nikolai to say that thing. The thing, which was, uh, I'm a JB shipper. Yeah. <laughs> but no one yeah. took me up on it. So I figured I'd just give you guys the dough. Thank you. Cha-ching. Two things. <laughs> <laughs> one, I have no ish ideas or demands for an episode theme. You're doing great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so just so you know, we do have an offer on our Patreon that if you... Um, are willing to give us 50 bucks for an episode we will then allow you to pick the topic of another episode so that's always long out long standing the and out there hurt us <laughs> <laughs> and anyway then john asks i have no idea how this works i selected the 50 dollar thing and an episode has dropped since then so does that mean you guys have the money and i select the regular tier again and that is correct john i hope you've done that <laughs> So I don't I didn't know. I'm the one who answered, but I've never used Patreon yeah. as like a patron. So yeah. I didn't know. That's how I've understood it to be. So you do fifty as the one episode once Thank it you drops. for the fifty bucks, John. <laughs> I told John he should totally make us do something, but he's being really nice about it for some reason. <laughs> well, if anybody wants to I think John has a Twitter, they can throw him ideas. Why are we trying to get people to give us episodes so bad? I don't know. We're out of God, ideas. Just tell us what to do. <laughs> it would have been so cool if somebody would have gotten Nikolai to say that though. I just feel like I feel like you know some of us me especially have been fairly like hard on him to the point where I just would feel like oh I'd, I'd feel bad like pretending that you know we're like his buddies or oh, something God. Honestly, so we funny. couldn't do that with anybody like so good anybody associated with that show we have yeah, we've yeah. like maybe yeah, Alfie we've, Allen <laughs> That's true. Like we have been pretty much 100% pro Elfie and all the time. Like we haven't burned the Elfie Allen bridge. I can't argue also, with that. I'm I've been a fan of Lily Allen for you know forever. So I feel like you know that might help or or hurt. I don't know. But yeah, that might be the one bridge we have not burned. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for the messages. It's, I mean, honestly, it was worth it. <laughs> You know what's nice is just that we historically have it documented that we were feeling pretty pissed off a while back, okay? (laughs) I will say, like, the pre-season five, that's, like, probably our last moment that we're like, oh, Jamie's going to Dorne, I guess it could work, you know, they can get the same beats, except (laughs) me. No, I will die on that hill. I fucking hate Dorne from its inception, pre-inception. I hated it. I, 
feel like we could prove you wrong, but that go for it. Be my guess. No, she it. Well, none of us were excited about it. We were all just like, well, maybe it won't be so bad. Work, yeah, so, yeah. But I definitely just, hated. You know, it. with an adaptation, you're going to get some weirdness. So it's like, okay, well, could be worse, but we just didn't know. No, I mean, no, like it couldn't actually be worse. I think that's just every season of Game of Thrones, though. It's just like every season got progressively worse, and you're just like. Where the fuck? And then you end up with season eight. That's you what happens. Just remember reading the spoilers for season seven and like the whole weekend at Bernie's bunch <laughs> like it's such a joke. Kidding? Like this a joke? This isn't real. The way it was all. written, you're like, it's totally not a joke because it sounds exactly like something. This they band of do. brothers go and they <laughs> capture the fight and they take it to King's Landing. Uh, and yeah, shows it's just like the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> fucking concept I ever heard of in my entire life and the whole world just bought it hook, line, and sinker and everybody's like Game of Thrones used to be great what happened in season 8? I'm just like oh my god you guys (laughs) season 5 was definitely the biggest nosedive though and then well season 8 but no season 5 was pretty bad too the last episode of season 4 I mean had the Oathkeeper chapter but the opposite basically (laughs) But season five, it seemed like nothing happened. It was just like a stutter. Yeah. And nothing happened until everything happened. And it was all stupid and, and horrible. And, <laughs> it was stupid. Yeah. Yep. Uh, good good times. <laughs> Again, I feel like burning all of our bridges was worth it in order to just be like as brutal about the show as possible. So. Except for Alfie Allen. <laughs> yeah, except for Alfie Allen. If you're listening, we, we don't think we've ever said anything bad about you. <laughs> Maybe that his scenes went on a little too long with the torture porn, but that'd be about it. You know, I will say his body looked pretty good. Like when he was, (laughs) he looked really good. Kyle, no. God. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Way to go, Ralphie. Uh, I'm just saying. I don't even know how he got to this place. He's much more attractive than what's his face than you and... I don't know. Whatever. Ramsey? Uh, that guy? Yeah. I feel like I, I don't know why I'm oh overcompensating. Like, we just haven't burned the bridge. I don't need to, like, build a pontoon boat, too. So, it's fine. <laughs> I think we're done with the mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're so done. Anyway, if you, too, would like to send us mail or money or, you know. <laughs> money? <laughs> or, or anything. Ideas for for episodes um you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at door podcast you can find us at close the door and come here on podbean or not on pod well you can on podbean but to write us that would be on patreon and um you can also participate in discussions pre and post episode on our on the jamie and brienne subreddit which is reddit slash r slash jamie brienne and, um, you know, just ever, I just a shout out again to that subreddit ever since like midway or, you know, since the start of season eight, it's been really, really quite active. So there's usually a lot of really good discussions, um, certainly beyond anything that we're talking about too. So, um, join in if you're, if you're looking for more like-minded folks to talk about and you can listen to close the door and come here on Podbean, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play all of your favorite places to listen to podcasts. And with that, I am closing the door. Get out. 